Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. Last week we were looking at the disciples getting into the boat. It's, the Bible says that, that the disciples followed Jesus into the boat. And that's the essence of Christianity. Christians follow Jesus. And I tried to expand it a little bit last week by saying, as much as the gospel goes for the heart, the purposes of God are there for, we're all wired differently. So society, you know, one lens that you can look at society, it's made up of, of, of seven things. Uh, education's one, religion, family, media, the arts, politics. You know, it's made up and... And you know, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, the original design that's on the inside of you, how you are hardwired, comes alive. You know, it's like, this is my purpose in life. And you find your purpose. And your purpose, if it's, if it's in medicine, if it's in, in teaching and education, if it's in politics, it's just as holy to go into those things as it is uh, to go into the ministry in the church, say. It's just as holy. Holy means set apart. You are set apart for politics. You're meant to make a difference in life through through pol- politics, and and so and it's. But everything we go into, source of the fountain or the source of whatever it is that we're putting out there, is the gospel, uh, and it's Jesus. You know, because He's the only one that can change lives. I said a few weeks ago that sin deforms us education informs us but only the gospel can transform us and i believe that to be true and you know there's helpful things in every area of life but sin is so powerful and so deceiving that it takes the gospel the gospel is the good news of jesus that he lived a perfect life in order to to be fit to die on the cross so he, he never sinned he was tempted in all ways that we are yet was without sin it says in Hebrews, and he died as a perfect substitute and a perfect sacrifice for us. And the blood that he shed is so powerful that even 2,000 years later, it is still setting men and women's hearts free. It is still liberating us from sinful uh, practices, sinful ideas, and the the, the power that sin brings. Sin brings an awful disease with it. It's called selfishness. Sin is is just an awful thing. The only remedy, the only remedy is Jesus. He's the one that breaks the power of sin. He's the one that gives us new energy and new purpose to start and a new life to start with. So I looked at the, the disciples getting in the boat, following Jesus. That was my first point and my only point last week. So they get into the boat and they didn't know what was going to happen. And it, it does say that suddenly a storm came. Suddenly. How are you going to handle the suddenness in life? How are you going to handle the kind of that came out of nowhere? That's a curveball. I I wasn't expecting that. How are you going to stand and having done all to stand? Because some days you don't make any progress. Some days it's enough just to stand and to get through that day. And the Bible says God gives you strength for the day. But there's another scripture that I I love in the Bible. It's, It's used a few times, usually in the King James Version, the old version of the Bible. It says, and it came to pass. And, you know, whatever you're going through today, know this, it will come to pass. It's vulnerable to change. 
who's ever had something good happen and you think oh everything well a few things have been happening really well it's I can't believe it this is incredible it's not going to last it's not going to last what are you saying you're saying it's vulnerable to change well if the good things are vulnerable to change then the bad things are certainly vulnerable to change and so I want to encourage you to walk by faith but some days you'll only be able to stand and as the apostle Paul puts it in Ephesians 6 having done all to stand we get through when we we motor on to greater victories we do so the disciples got in the boat with Jesus they followed him you know sedentary Christianity armchair Christianity is not the Christianity of the Bible you know people were on the move people they didn't even have to move location but they were on the move spreading the gospel wherever they lived helping people doing good in society dwelling in the land and doing good as Psalm 37 says you know praying for the peace of that city that they lived in or the, that town or village praying for the prosperity of that town or city you know prayer is powerful and our part of what we do when we become Christians is we pray for our friends we pray that they're protected from the evil one we pray that God would speak to them like he spoke to us and give them eternal life and give them a new start in life give them faith to overcome things that that come in their world but suddenly a storm came up on the sea and the lads weren't expecting it and these were young men and the gospel isn't an old folks religion the gospel is for young men it's not a lifeboat church that i'm building here in global what's a lifeboat church women and children first no 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 it's a church for men it's a church for for families but it's a church for men where men can feel like I don't have to become something I'm not in order to be part of that you know women are awesome if you want anything doing women are awesome they'll get anything done don't they are the strength of church they are so I'm not putting nobody down but I do know this men don't come to church because they think we're trying to effeminize them they believe the lie that the devil puts out that your, your life's over if you give your life to Jesus, that you've got to become a man, that you can't be angry. Even last week I was talking about Jesus being angry at the stubborn hearts in, in, in the synagogue. He's angry in church. Anger isn't bad or good. It's a tool and you've got to know when to use it and you've got to know when to put it away and use a different tool. And we can train you in that. That's what the gospel's about. That's what the teaching's about in the Bible. So, uh, you know, you won't be the first angry man to come to church. You won't be the last. But God's looking for angry men. Because when he gets older men that know how to use anger rightly, he can change the world. He can. He says about Ezekiel, the prophet, he went up in the anger of his spirit. You know, could you imagine a boxer getting into a, boxer, a boxing ring not angry? Or an athlete trying to run the 100 metres saying, no, you first. You see what I'm saying? We've had such a downer on that word anger. We need to understand what anger is. Yes, there's downsides to it, but we've got to know how to handle it. You know, the, the right approach to something that's abused, like anger, is not disuse, but right use. And so, anyway, I digress, but let's move on. So the disciples followed Jesus. That's what disciples do. Number two, the disciples get frustrated with Jesus. Before they get frustrated with him, they get fearful because the storm's coming over. And these are fishermen, they understand they've been in storms before, but this one's different. This one's life-threatening. 
and it's coming right over, over the bottom. They're just thinking, we are losing it. They tried everything in their own strength. And that's what we usually do in life. I don't need God, I don't need anybody else. I'll do it my way. I've done it before, I can do it again. But maybe, maybe this time I'm speaking to somebody, you've thrown everything at your problems and you're not getting through. You are sinking. You know, the wise men sought Jesus 2000 years ago and wise men still seek Jesus today. Why don't you give Jesus a try in your life? These disciples came to Jesus with a massive problem, a problem that they've been able to solve in the past, but this one is overwhelming them. It is sinking them. They have lost heart. They are now fearful. And out of frustration and anger, they're saying, Jesus, wake up. Don't you care? Don't you care that we're going to drown? Of course, Jesus cares. Even his close mate, Peter, later on, he could write this. I wonder if you've been thinking about this story, but he wrote this. He wrote this in his letters. He said, cast your cares onto him, for he cares for you. You know, he's a fisherman casting the nets. And he's saying, you know, your, your cares, your worries, your fears, cast your cares on Jesus, because he cares for you. He does. And Jesus woke up and he said to them, where's your faith? I mean, that is so cool. Where's your faith? And he didn't say, where's your faith? Like he's in a, a, a chair. He's been thrown about like everybody else. He's in the middle of a storm. And he says, where's your faith? He's wanting a conversation with them. Why? Because he knows he's going to deal with a storm. There's absolutely no fear in Jesus. The Bible says perfect love drives out all fear. And God is love. It's not what Love is not what God does. God is love. He is it. He epitomizes it. There's no fear in Jesus. I'll deal with the storm in a minute. But I want to ask these lads, I've been teaching about faith. Now I want to, to see where they're at. Where is your faith? You can imagine disciples thinking, Jesus, what do you mean? Where's our faith? We're going to die. We're going to drown. Jesus, where's your faith? Because that's the one thing and the only thing that they needed to still the storm. Because they could have done it. That's what we were getting to. And they're like, they're just slow to get it, really. And he, like us, Jesus gets up. Then he speaks to the wind and the waves, as I was saying last week. Get down. He rebuked them. Get down. I didn't. I don't think he turned around to the wind and the waves and just said, well, you know, the Lord just gives the weather and, the, and you know, maybe it's your time to, to, to play it out. But could you just stop? No, no, no. He's the creator. This is out of order for, it, for him and his friends. So he's saying, back off. And that's what he wants to do in people's lives. He wants to, he wants to give you the, the faith and the energy and the power to turn to things that are against you and go, back off, back off. Why? Because we are not going down. We are not going down. And the wind and the waves went perfectly still. And other boats experienced that stillness from Jesus. And, uh, you know, we are an influence in this world and what Jesus does in our life touches other people's lives too. And so they get frustrated with, with Jesus. And Jesus had led them into the boat and he was training them to have faith that goes beyond understanding. So they follow Jesus, they think everything's okay. Now he's asleep and it's like they're trying to do it on their own and what they know doesn't, isn't working for them. And so they're waking Jesus up and he's, he takes them back into what they already know. Where's your faith? Come on, we haven't changed the goalposts. Your faith is going to overcome in life. 
and, he, and then he demonstrates how to do it. And he rebukes the wind and the waves. And they will notice it. There is a few things we know in Peter's life. He watched Jesus raise a little girl from the dead. And later on, when Jesus had ascended into heaven, they brought Peter a woman. Well, sorry, they took Peter to a woman who had died. And he did the very same thing that Jesus did. He'd watched how Jesus did it. And then he went in the power of the Holy Spirit to do the same thing. And he brought her back to life again. And it's an amazing story. But Peter learned and the other disciples did too. They were learning faith. And they were learning how to handle with life suddenly. When life suddenly hit you, it's like, well, this isn't the devil and this isn't God. This is, you know, that's for church on Sunday. This is real life that's happening to me now. The bank have been on and I can't get the loan. The bank have been on and they're, they're charging me extra and I can't afford it. We're going to, my house is going to be repossessed. Your car is going to be repossessed. Whatever. I'm losing my job. I'm going to be made redundant. I'll, I'll put on furlough now. They've just said your job's gone. And that's it. And... And we, we, we move God out of our life at that point and try to like fathom it out because we're not into myths and fairy stories. I'm talking about believers now. This is how we behave. Instead of going back and saying, in the name of Jesus, something's going to change here. If it's not that job, it's going to be this job. If, 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 if the banks come to repossess, I'm going to say, Jesus, keep me ours for me. I, I, in the name of Jesus, I'm, I'm not having them taking it off me. And you go back and you don't know what to say, but you say, and somehow something works out for you. Jesus does miracles. Don't just accept it. Fight for it. That's what you've got to do. You've got to fight for something. Jesus doesn't wave magic wands. He sends his Holy Spirit to live in you. And the Holy Spirit gives you thoughts and wisdom and power to overcome. But you must speak it out. You must go to their meetings. Don't put your head in the sand. You must go and speak your, your thoughts. Isaiah chapter 54, right at the end, it says, you have been given an instructed tongue. This is the inheritance of the saints. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Well, it will if you just take it back. If you just sit back, I should say. No, you've got to go for it. You've got to engage. Turn that thing around. And Jesus engaged the storm and the disciples saw it and they were amazed. And I want to say that to you. Get a fresh spirit in you. A fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit and understand he will give you courage and boldness to move forward and not be like a sunflower that just, you know, just doesn't do a great deal. Once you've started on the journey with Jesus, every day is lived out with him. He's available to us every single day. The CEO of the universe is there. The one who could speak. And the wind and the waves stop. <laughs> it's just like, he's on your side, he's for you. Jesus is going to use everyday things to test and strengthen your faith. Remember, his tests are not like to beat you down. His tests are like a driving tester to prove you. You can do this. Come on, we're going to get a certificate at the end. You can drive your car and you've passed your test. And, you know, we've, we've got to be tested. Faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. And so Jesus uses everyday issues in life. It might be a husband that's Mr. Grumpy. And he's grumpy for a season. Then he comes out of it and, and everything in you wants to say, oh, oh, we're happy now. And you've got, to, you, you, you've got to learn not to do that. I've been being tested while he was in that grump for two days or three days or a week or however long he's been in his man cave. 
And God wants to give you wisdom tonight to handle that next time and not to shrink back from him, be fearful, but just to say, come on, we need to talk. When he goes, no, 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 more. I'm just really sorry. He says, sorry is brilliant and I receive it, but I need to know what's going to happen next time you're in that grump. How do I handle that? Let, let, you know, let's agree some things. That's wisdom. You know, for a guy, it could be that, you, you know, you've married a, a wife and she wants to live beyond her means and you're like, I just don't know, I can't provide for all this, you know, and you need that kind of wisdom. Why? Because Jesus is using everyday things now to test and to, to prove you in your faith. You know, somebody's worked out there's about 10 tests that you'll go through in, in life. The test of faithfulness, the test of pride, the test of being able to handle prosperity and good things. There's lots, lots of tests that we go through, but when God is testing you, he's on your side to help you. Tests prove us, tests strengthen us. Jesus went into the desert to be tested and tempted by the devil, but it was the Holy Spirit who led him in. And the Holy Spirit will lead us into places where we can't fully understand it, you're not meant to. How small would life be if you had to understand everything that you do? and everything that you're asked to do. How painful it is for people who are trying to get you to do something and you want to know the, all the intricacies of, of things. And it's like, no, many, many things in life you've got to go and, and be obedient beyond your understanding. And that's what happened to these disciples. So God will use everyday things to strengthen your faith. As much as they're frustrated with Jesus, Jesus is looking and saying, but you're on course. You're in the middle. Uh, of the issue before you're on the bank you know but now you're in the middle and you can't walk away you can't walk to the bank you can't walk out of this because you're going to drown now you have to deal with it in faith i wish more marriages would do that i wish more marriages would say you know we can't walk out we can't get out the boat we have to sit in and we have to deal with it it's so sad when i see one person prepared to do that and the other are not because there's not much chance for that relationship. But I want to say, if you'll sit in the boat, if you'll stay in the boat as a couple, boat being a metaphor for the marriage, stay in. You will get to the other side. You will. We use words like, you know, you could have handled the situation better. You could have done this. Why didn't you do that? I don't think you care about me or whatever. And we use that to God, but we also use it to each other. And I want to say that behind the scenes, God is using everyday situations in order to, to strengthen our faith and to, to lead us and teach us. It's often in times like this, times of testing, where things are going wrong, that we think God's asleep. I'm like, God, don't you care? We're shouting and ranting and raving. I want to just save you some time here. Your best bet is to find a verse in the Bible that promises you something about what you're going through. And once you've found that faith, that scripture, start to speak it out. Because God's promises are voice activated. And so Paul often, the Apostle Paul found himself in dire situations, bad situations, where he had no answers. And he said, what he learned through it all is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So when you feel like you can't go on and you feel like I can't face another day, yes you can, yes you can. And start to speak, I can do all things through Christ. The moment you start speaking it, you find a fresh energy. I'm not going to think like that before. I'm going to have my mind renewed. Instead of going back for an argument with your boss or whatever, it's just saying, right, a wise man overlooks an insult. 
Oh my boss, he actually used the, he, he dropped the F-bomb on me. And that's my boss. I could have him sued. I could have him this. I could have, shh, a wise man overlooks an insult. We, have, we need wisdom to know what, what to use in different situations. You've got to go through them. That's your school. That's where God's teaching you every single day if you've got a teachable spirit, a teachable attitude. When God's not answering our prayers, it seems like he's disinterested and he's not. So often he's waiting for faith to arise for you to step out and make a, a decision and for you to sort it out. Why? Because we're made in his image. We're hardwired to solve problems. Especially those men, we're hardwired to solve problems. Sometimes we think he's disinterested because there's, there's nothing coming our way and we feel like we're alone. Well, you are never alone with God. You're never alone, but feelings come and play and your mind and your emotions work together to dissuade you from following God or going to his word and his principles. When was the last time you, you said to yourself, or if you're married, you said to your partner, we're going through these issues, let's start to read Bible together. Let's start to find out what it says about finances, say in the Bible, or about marriage and loving, or about bringing up children. Let's start to look at the Bible because you'll feel like you're an airy fairy. You'll feel like you're a fairy cake and a flake, a snowflake, you will. Because we're so used to aggression and tough words and, and you know, even dropping the F-bomb from time to time. You know, then things have just got to be removed. We've got to start again and learn a different way of life, a, way of, a different way of living. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. And if you want his life, you've got to live his way. So we've got to find his ways and Jesus was a man of the word and we've got to be people of the word of the book and read the book and understand his principles put them into practice and guess what they start to work for you the problem is not the storm around the disciples but the unbelief within them they looked around and saw danger they looked within and saw fear but they failed to look up by faith and see god so that again, they looked around and saw danger. They looked within and saw fear, but they failed to, to look up by faith, see that God was with them. The disciples failed the test of faith because they didn't trust Jesus's words. What were Jesus's words? He said, let us go over to the other side. <laughs> if Jesus says that's where we're going, that's where we're going. When God speaks, it happens. And so he says, let us go over to the other side. Faith is not believing in spite of circumstances. It is obeying in spite of your feeling and the consequences. Let me say that again. Faith is not believing in spite of circumstances. It's obeying in spite of feelings and consequences. Often we don't obey what God said because of consequences. If I forgive that person, they're going to treat me like I'm soft. So we don't forgive them. If I don't feel it, I think, oh, I just sense this is just not, not right. It's just feelings, feelings, feelings. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will, will bring a conviction to us of this is the right road to walk down. This is the right course of action. And we pray for that conviction. And that's great. I love the phrases in, in Acts of the Apostles when the early church were learning to discern what the Holy Spirit was saying and what was just their imaginations. And it said it seemed, here's a phrase that they used to use, it seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit. So not just me, but good to us. They discussed what they thought the Holy Spirit was saying. 
seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit. There was an added conviction that came on us, so we went that way. Another one was, it seemed good to us and to the brothers. So not just us, but people that we were working with, they got the same flavour. So we went, and it's almost like, is it? Is it? Is it? And that's a bit how it is uh, as a Christian. And we're trying to find out. One thing God will never do is go against his word. But there's so much in his word that it's confusing to say, is it this or is it that? You need the Holy Spirit to breathe on some verse or some part of his Bible or a story where he brings it back to your remembrance and you think, why am I thinking about this story when I think about this problem? And there's usually a correlation. There's usually a connection. You're like, oh, I wonder if that's the Holy Spirit. Well, if you've got nothing else, walk that way, my friend, because it's by faith you're doing it anyway. And just see what God does. It's very exciting, but it's very nerve-wracking. And we've got to learn to live in that uncomfortable place of not being in control. That is the place where miracles happen. I wish I could say it were different, but it's not. That is the place where you're not in control. Maybe there's somebody today that God has called you. You called into your business. Now you're worrying about what's going to happen after the lockdown. Is there going to be a business there? And I want to say this to a businessman or a businesswoman today, that he who called you into business is faithful. And, you know, maybe the business has gone to the ground, but that doesn't stop you being a businessman. You're called a businesswoman. You're called carry on, start again. Watch God rebuild something. Let's God, watch God do something new with your life. So, so that's to somebody, uh, for somebody today. Faith is not believing in spite of circumstances. It is obeying in spite of feelings and consequences. And three men in the Old Testament, three young lads, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they wouldn't bow down to the evil king Nebuchadnezzar. The king had the, the, the oven eaten up uh, seven times hotter than ever before. And he said, chuck these three Hebrew slaves. Racism was happening way back then. Chuck these Hebrew slaves into there. You know what they said to the king? You, you know, we don't bow down to you. And we're not going to bow down to you. And if he throws us into that fire, our God is able to save us. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down and worship you. <laughs> ha is bold and courageous, regardless of the circumstances. That is true faith. That's beautiful. And so they got thrown in. To, well, they got walked into the fire. The men that walked them in and chucked them in, they died because of the heat. Once the oven door is open, they just, they just died. Uh, it was so hot. These three Hebrew lads went in. I can imagine them falling in and then standing up thinking, oh, we're in it. But we're okay. And then the king looked and he saw, didn't we put three boys in there, three men in there? And he said, I can see a fourth man walking around with them. That is pre-incarnate anthropomorphic visitation, the pre-incarnate Christ. That is Jesus walking in the fire with them. We sing a song in church. There is another in the fire standing next to me. Whatever fire you go through in life, Jesus is walking in it with you. And he walked with these three Hebrew boys. And when they got led out of that place, these three boys, the Bible says, didn't even smell a fire. The effects of what was meant to warm them didn't touch them. There's a word for somebody. The thing that you're fearing, when you walk into it, the effects that you think it's going to have on you is not going to touch you. You're going to walk out free 
and full and just as sharp and smart as you went in. I want to encourage you today, get ready to pick up pieces, get ready to keep going because life is not going to stop fire. Let's keep, keep it going. There is another in the fire standing next to you. But will you reach out to him? Will you, will you say, Jesus, help me? Just like the disciples did in a roundabout way. Jesus, don't you care? Jesus, help me, help me. Our problems are tame compared to the disciples or to Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, but they are very real, whatever it is. You might just get your car repossessed. And, and you think, well, it's nothing. It's not hurt you personally, but it's like, it just changes the dynamic of your life and it affects you negatively. So they're very real. So I'm not putting anything down. It doesn't have to be a huge thing that takes you out, but allow God to use that to train your faith. Last of all, I want to finish by saying the disciples found peace in Jesus. Jesus spoke peace because he was at peace. You can only give what you've got. Jesus promised peace to his disciples and he knows that the journey is going to be frightening at times. He will stand with you with whatever you're going through. He did with the apostle Paul. You know, he says, I'm with you. Don't stop speaking my word in this city. There are many in this city that don't know me. There's many in this city that, that belong to me. He's saying, keep speaking, keep speaking. In one of the Gospels, it says, in fear and amazement. And I want to, to you know, fear sobers us up. Because when you give your life to Christ, you're following Jesus. You're living his way. And it takes time to learn to live his way. We, we, we fail so often, but, but after a while, we start to get victories under the belt. And we become more confident and more competent at life. And it's beautiful. I've seen it with so many people, myself included. But fear sobers us up. You can't just say what you want to people. You can't just treat people the way that you want. There's a difference comes in. It's the Jesus, that, uh, the difference that Jesus makes. But I want to just touch on that word amazement because amazement blows us away. These early disciples were blown away by Jesus. They were fearful. The storm had come and then they saw Jesus speaking to it like, who are you? Who are you? And we've heard you teach and we've seen you do miracles, but nothing like this. And they were amazed. And amazement blows us away. Amazement opens us up to another dimension. It's not another level, that's different. Another dimension. We're transformed in the middle of it. Amazement leaves us with a hunger for more. And life is about a journey and adventure. Not just on the outside, but on the inside too. We are transforming. We are being changed into the likeness of Jesus. Life is not meant to be lived in black and white. The kind of, or even beige, the sedentary kind of life. The bookish kind of life. But it's it, life by nature is vibrant. And it's not still. And the Christian life is always stretching towards the future that God's got for us while stooping to meet the needs of people that are around us and bringing them on the journey. Christianity is not for beige living. It's only for colourful adventures. From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website 